are you ready to get cooking? Yeah. Call me in. All you need are the right ingredients. Interviews. Home Cooks. and every day. Crazy people. What a lovely meal. Welcome to JJ Jackson's Food Tips. The basics and beyond. The gourmet kitchen is indispensable. Now, now, now. JJ Jackson. Wow. Thanks for joining us again for another edition of Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond. It's the lifestyle show that's all about great interviews, chefs, home cooks, and everyday crazy people. We'll be taking some call-ins with special guests, home and restaurant recipes, if we can get them away from the chefs. And if we can't, we'll give it a best guess and see if maybe we can try them at home. If you love great food, great recipes, or you just want to learn a little bit more about what you're putting in your mouth, this is the place for you. Food tips, the basics and beyond. Hi, this is Brady McGraw at Q105.3, WRHQ.com in Savannah, Georgia. And you're listening to the worldwide podcast, Food Tips, the Basics and Beyond, with your host, J.J. Jackson. It's so delicious. And in food news, time for food news. Food news. On food tips, the basics and beyond. Lose is good food for your mind. Food news. The store formerly known as Dunkin' Donuts, just Dunkin' now, announced it tapped Martha Stewart to introduce a new merchandise collaboration, the Dunkin' Holiday Martini Shaker and Martini Glasses. The snazzy set of barware is available for purchase on Dunkin's merch site. Along with the new shaker and glasses, Martha has also whipped up a cocktail recipe that uses Dunkin' Espresso to create a deliciously adult beverage. The drink is a take on the espresso martini and is appropriately named the Dunkin' Teeny. Subway's footlong philosophy no longer just applies to its sandwiches. It's on the dessert menu too. The sandwich chain announced it will be offering its new chocolate chip footlong cookie on menus nationwide starting in January. First introduced on National Cookie Day 2022, Subway's footlong cookies were initially part of a special limited run. Subway says its stock completely ran out in less than two hours at its Cookie Way pop-up in Miami, so its culinary team spent the past year fine-tuning a footlong version of its most popular cookie to put on menus nationwide. I'm really honored to have this guy with us today because I've known him for most of our adult lives, and uh, he's considerably younger than me. His name is Tom Sullivan. Let, let's hear it for Tom Sullivan. Come on. Here we go. Wow. Give it up. Welcome to the applause. Audience of one. That's uh, what we have here in the studio today, or two, including me, so that, <laughs> that works out good. Tom was in high school. I was on the radio uh, in Atlanta at WQXI, we call it Quixie for short at the time. And, yeah. uh, he would win almost every contest, radio contest at the radio station. He had some kind of uncanny knack of doing that. And so mm -hmm. finally we hired him at the radio station because we couldn't afford to lose all those prizes. <laughs> <laughs> I was what you called. I, I learned, I was known in the industry as a contest pig because yes. I just was like, Winning everything. <laughs> and then you became a, a radio station duck. Yes, and station mascot. Uh, just to you know, bring up a little history on mascots at radio stations, uh, probably the most famous one was Ted Giannolis from uh, San Diego. San Diego Chicken. The San yeah. Diego Chicken. And you became the Quixie Quacker. 
I did. And um, the lady who made my costume, uh, Catherine Spence, she w- actually worked with uh, Ted on his costume. So uh, we had a connection. Do you still have parts of that costume at all? Uh, you know, it, it rotted off because I sweated profusely <laughs> over 11 years wearing it. Uh, so I, I cut out the tongue and some of the fur, and that was it. And, you know, we had another costume first made of paper mache, oh. and I always hit my pecker on women's faces <laughs> when I would turn around. So uh, they hired another guy named Chuck Bruiser to be in the uh, costume, and he didn't have the same work ethic of being polite. And so he was damaging he was damaging my brand. So one day I snuck up to the radio station and got the costume, brought it home and ran over it with my mom's station wagon. <laughs> true story. That is a true story. That is a true story. Oh man. Uh, you, I had to get him off the streets. You, you went on to be on the radio as well with, uh, Steve and Vicky in the morning on uh, star 94 uh, in Atlanta, yes. which was, uh, you were like the man on the street doing all kinds of crazy yeah. things. That's true. And, uh, while you were at, uh, the radio station, there wasn't, you did what I did with you to another young guy, brought him in into the radio station. And what was that guy's name? Okay. Well, first of all, why don't we give a backstory without revealing the name to kind of tease it. Okay. Um, back in 1992, January, I got a call from a guy who went to Dunwoody High School. He goes, hey, I do the morning announcements and I want to learn more about radio and pop culture. And I said, oh, here's another kid that wants to get into radio. Uh, I said, <laughs> why don't you come up to the radio station and uh, next Saturday I'll be working uh, 10 to 3. So he came up. And uh, a good-looking kid, and he had on, like, this uh, navy blazer and jeans, and he had this passion for radio like I did. And I said, okay, man, let me show you how it works. And he was kind of getting excited about the jingles, mixing under the songs, and keeping a tight board. And I said, this kid has promise. So over the next nine months, I taught him everything I knew about radio. I had him run my board. We would do mock shows and production and became fast friends. We hung out all the time. And uh, then one night, nine months later, I, after Labor Day weekend, I didn't want to go on the air and the boss was out of town. So I called him. I said, buddy, do you want to go on the air tonight for me? And he goes, absolutely. I know how to do it. And fast forward. He later moved to L.A. and auditioned for a show called American Idol, and his name was Ryan Seacrest. You discovered Ryan Seacrest. Yes, and I wanted to draw that out because the reveal is always so powerful. When people go, Ryan Seacrest was your intern? I said, yeah, he was getting my pizzas. <laughs> so uh you obviously have become a millionaire as a result of that, is that right? Oh my gosh, yes. And people say, you know, wow, you how do you even afford your lifestyle? So Ryan has been supporting me. So <laughs> he's a great friend. And people go, uh, Ryan is he's short. He's shorter than you, right? I said, but he's much taller when he stands on his wallet. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Sure. And can I give a plug for his mom, Connie? She, uh, Ryan, as he got, Ryan used to call me from the side of American Idol uh, up to season four or five, uh, but then he became more successful and uh, it's hard to get a hold of him. So now I just, you know, will send quick texts to him. But his mom, Connie, always remembers my birthday, and uh, she is like a, a diamond in the rough there. Yeah. So, and then, you know, Ryan's from Atlanta. Uh, Connie is still in Atlanta, of course, too. 
Yes, yes. When he got American Idol, he bought his parents a house. Of course. Yes, it's beautiful too. And and he bought you a house too, right? He sure did. A house key. He bought me a key to my house. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, uh, you are a famous foodie. Uh, you you talk about food all the time, and uh, I do. I love it. I love food. As long as we're here, we should probably uh, you you love going out to eat. I do, and you know, I got to work as uh, the MC for the Chef's Table segment at Taste of Atlanta for fifteen years, and where I would interview chefs for an hour at a time, about six chefs a day. And so I just I've always loved great, fine food, food made with love. And uh, so I've selected about three of my favorite restaurants to highlight this morning. Can we go in order? Let a uh, backwards, sure. you know, let, like a countdown, like a radio song countdown. Number three. Oh. <laughs> wow. This is like picking my favorite child, JJ. <laughs> oh, um, OK, it's hard. Can I just say in no particular order, I wanted to start with uh, breakfast uh, because I love homemade Food. And this is called Buttermilk Kitchen. It's a chef-driven restaurant here in Atlanta. And Chef Suzanne opened it in 2012 because she was tired of working the night shifts. And so, you know, she said, I, I love breakfast. So at age 26, she went on Chopped and won the competition. And she goes, that boosted my confidence. And so she created this great breakfast joint with tons of brunch staples. It's in a small house on Roswell Road inside the perimeter. And they have... Uh, like my favorite pimento cheese omelets oh. with Benton's bacon, wow. house red pepper jelly, and a buttermilk biscuit that is like the size of a small softball that's like a pillow of love. That's like uh, what we call cathead biscuits, so huge. Oh, they're so good. Uh. And she even has a full-service bar so you can get your Bloody Mary on when you get your pancakes. Oh, you're making me breathe heavy. It's so, oh, I like that. I hope your <laughs> wife doesn't mind. <laughs> I think she's she, oh, she's down here now. She's she's drinking the wine over there already. <laughs> uh, I love it. She's a lady after my own heart. <laughs> Say hi to Tommy, uh, the lovely patio furniture. Hey, Tommy. Hey, Patty. Good morning. <laughs> he said good morning. <laughs> she doesn't have a set of headphones. So uh, oh, she does. Okay. Okay. So I've never been to that place. So that's you're going to take me there, right? Oh, I'm telling you, uh, JJ, it is like everything is made from scratch. I mean, uh, Chef Suzanne's written a cookbook and listen to the pancakes have sub rye whiskey syrup and thick grass fed banner butter. What, what is, ba is, is, is banner butter? Is that like banner butter is a brand and uh, it's just real high quality chef driven butter lots of chefs use banner butter and you can't find it everywhere whole foods has it for sure wow number two uh in no particular order here is uh mediterranean mexican and spanish cuisine and it's a restaurant here in atlanta called botica b-o-t-i-c-a and it's located on peachtree street which is we have a lot of peachtree streets here um chef mimo is a really great guy. He was born in Lebanon, and he grew up in Spain and Italy and then moved here to Georgia, lucky for us, JJ, and he created a restaurant called um, Red Pepper Taqueria, and he sold it and opened Botica 
in 2021, okay. right during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> yes. But uh, he has a, a diverse menu. Um, he's got like, uh, of course, traditional apps like empanadas and stuff, but he's got like halibut ceviche or grilled octopus, grilled oysters, uh, homemade meatballs, uh, crispy lobster, mm. ra- wagyu beef barbacoa, tacos with pickled onions and sauce or Alaskan salmon. And he's got strip steaks and things like that. And traditional, of course, Mexican Spanish cuisine like enchiladas, quesadillas and fajitas. But it's it's, it's worth a trip. The food is tops. Where Where is it located, Tommy? It's 1820 Peachtree Street in Atlanta. It's in the bottom of an office tower. And uh, Chef Mimo is fabulous. And it's eatbotica.com. That's not far from uh, where I worked at uh, Clear Channel. That's right. And a lot of uh, Clear Channel people dine there. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, now iHeart for people to keep up with that kind of thing. Uh, Totally. All right. Well, let's go on to number... One, 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 one. Okay, this is a local restaurant. They call it a little hole in the wall, and it's in a place called Brookhaven, Georgia. Um, it's called Their Bar. Bill Brown is a guy who, out of New York, uh, he just wanted to, he loved cooking. He worked in Wall Street, but he wanted to do his passion, which was form a restaurant that really was just based on the gastropubs of London and New York. And so there's not a microwave in the uh, restaurant. It's all chef-driven, all locally sourced, uh, truly a farm-to-table. Um, like, give you an idea, the other day I went in there, I had the most delicious fish. It's called King Clip. You find it in the Southern Hemisphere. It's hard to get. It's related to the eel. It's a deep order fish, JJ, and mm-hmm. it's got a real nice flaky texture and plenty of omega-3 essential fatty acid, which is great for us guys yeah. and our skin. And, and uh, it, I had that. It was fabulous served with like uh, some uh, fresh veggies, like, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, the little pickle things. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I had a couple of glasses of wine. Uh, his smash burger is like two smash patties uh, with a bacon, homemade sauce, and house-made pickles, olive oil, ketchup, and smoked paprika. Oh, that sounds great. And herbs and spices and cheese. And his bison burger is a double patty. It's ranked as one of the city's best burgers and was featured on a local TV show called Atlanta Eats. Oh, yeah. And let me let me highlight this also. Braised short ribs. They cook them for six hours. Mm. And then they marinate them, and they're taken into the walk-in to cool down, and the liquid solidifies on top. And then they 100% defat it. It's uh, then seasoned more with like a miso ginger glaze and served with a wasabi cream and fingerling potatoes, and it is fabulous. And he also has seared foie gras as well, which is hard to – you don't find that in a lot of restaurants. That's one of my favorites. That's uh, duck liver for anybody who's – doesn't know uh and it's it, it's it's delicious that's those are great restaurants you uh you know you, let's do let's have you back every couple of episodes so you can do a couple of restaurants for us is that good for you uh jj i would love to you know food is my passion but um I love your show because I'm exposed to so many other great restaurants and great wines. So I just am grateful you had me on and uh, I appreciate it. Look forward to the next visit. Do you know anything about wine? I think I know somebody who does. Time for Super Wine Guy, Michael Gallant. 
The original wine connoisseur. He's been to France. Whether you're looking for good deals on great wine or great deals on good wine, stand by for more food tips, the basics, and beyond. Michael Gallant. I love those things with my wine. So, uh, again, welcome back from France. Thanks. Because it it takes at least two months to get over a trip like that. I I mean, at my age, it's just the body doesn't recover nearly as quickly as it once did. I told you I got a little cold at the end of the Uh, trip. Once you get up in the air and you're in that cylinder, anybody that's got a cold is yours now. That's right. Well, that's it. I was the guy. I had the cold. And so, (laughs) and I, and I, I told you I got creative this time and actually to save some money, flew to Istanbul and then to Paris from Istanbul. And it was fine. It was good flights. So all that was good. But, you know, that was a lot of flying time. Atlanta to Istanbul's 10, four. 11 hours, you know. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking. And then four after that to Paris. Right. Yeah, okay. So, so that's what it, yeah, on the way back, yeah. you had to fly four and then fly immediately 10 to 11 yeah, hours. Yeah, so I left Paris and and flew four hours to Istanbul, had an hour and a half Literally enough time to catch the next flight and then hop on a plane and go 11 hours back to Atlanta. So it was a little brutal. And I'm just, you know what? I'm, I'm not a young person anymore. You know? <laughs> I'm not. And so. I'm not sure it matters that much, actually. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, I think when I went to Italy, I was uh, maybe 46. And. Uh, That's not the last time you've been over to Europe, is it? Yeah. Uh, let me think. Uh, did I go to England? Oh, we I went to England after there. that. I think the last time I was in Europe was like 97. Oh, wow. England. Well, yeah. we might need to look into a trip here, you know? So. Yeah. I've been to, you know, a few Latin American countries. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have to do, Which you know, stuff. France and Italy or something. Or well, Spain yeah, or, I, I would know, love so. to go back to Italy. Yeah. I'd love to take the lovely patio furniture to absolutely, Italy. Absolutely, absolutely. Because she would, well, the, the thing is, the food, you can't get a bad meal. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, France either, you know. Same thing, yep. yeah. So, I yeah. mean, I, we had a great time in France, so. Well, good. I'll, I lived my life vicariously. <laughs> that one, I, I'm talking to you at five o'clock in the afternoon on the phone here. You're in. It's uh, 11 o'clock, yeah. 11 p.m. in France. Young, you've already uh, eaten. You've already had I've six already bottles had of wine. wine. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I was fairly lucid for It was, it was know, good. Yeah, it was so. good. Yeah. I cut it up a lot, but yeah, it was good. <laughs> but it's a, you know, it's a, um, yeah. And that's the lifestyle over there. You know, you eat yeah. late, you know, and you. Drink too much, and you have rich food, and you just have a great old time. Yeah, know, and so. you don't sleep good. No, of course not. You know, and so, um, but yeah, it was a great trip. We had a lot of fun, and found a couple of new restaurants and a couple of new friends. And uh, I'll be back in February. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So you got uh, this brocard here. What? Yeah. So this is my. Um, this is one of my go-to Chablis producers for a number of reasons. Um, Chablis is a part of Burgundy. But it's it's really separate than kind of the main chunk of Burgundy. It's about an hour and a half further north, and it's a, a cooler region. White wines, almost completely white wines, Chardonnay. Um, it's got its own um, system of Grand Cru and Premier Cru vineyards and all this. And you know, it, it's fifty years ago, Chablis kind of wasn't on the map. Twenty years ago, started to get understood. Now people love Chablis, as do I. Nice, crisp white wines. Um, it's a soil type in Chablis called Kimmeridgian. All of that region had been under an ocean at some point in time. And so, you know, it's all, it's, it's basically a dried up ocean bed. And so, you know, you walk through the vineyards, you find all these old shells and all kinds of amazing things. And that soil gives these wines their kind of 
chalkiness and their um, acidity. It's a hundred percent Chardonnay. Um, they're mainly done in stainless steel. Sometimes with a Grand Cru, you might see a little bit of oak for mouthfeel, but they're largely meant to be these kind of racy, beautiful white wines. Go great with seafood and things like that. So, so let's go back over the sixteen shows you and I have done so far. Sixteen is that all? Uh, have we had a Chablis? I don't think we have done a Chablis. I don't either. That's why I grabbed this one. I thought the same thing. I, I always have to, when I'm thinking, oh, what are we going to talk about and taste this week? And I and I always have to go, oh, no, I think we did that one. I, can't. I really should keep well, better track. Well, you know? thankfully, there, there's enough wines out there. Oh, God. I so... mean, it, it wouldn't matter if you duplicated the wine. No, absolutely. It might not yeah. even be the same thing. No, exactly. It's so, And this producer is called Jean-Marc Brocard. B-R-O-C-A-R-D. Jean-Marc is the father. Um, he started this winery 50-plus years ago, um, and it's become really the great, mm. in my mind, value-quality producer in Chablis. They're the largest privately-owned um, Chablis producer. The son, Julian Brocard, runs it now. Jean-Marc is retired, essentially. And they do... This is their entry-level Chablis. It's from a single vineyard plot called St. Clair, so it all comes off of that vineyard. He, he the story is is when he got he was not a wine guy. He he when he married his wife, the the father the 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 father in law. So the bride's father was in the wine business, owned some vineyards, gave them as a wedding gift an acre of vineyard land, and then he went from there and he bought lots of land when it was still very cheap. Developed a beautiful winery, now state of the art, and. Um, you know, this is for me the most reasonably priced Chablis on the market for the money or and for the quality. Uh, it's widely available. It's in many markets in the U.S. Not everywhere. So, I'm. Uh, uh, it smells <clears throat> like Chablis. All right. So. Catching uh, a lot of acidity, and uh, but it, this is a golden uh, wine, and it yep. is also much thicker than the. Uh, the 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 one that's Sam, Sam the Samitka yeah. yeah so the rosé yeah yeah, yeah you, rose. this has a much more mouthfeel to it oh yeah and that's the quality of the fruit this again comes from a relatively old thirty year old plot of vines um, so that's pretty developed um, they don't do a lot to it it spends its life in stainless steel largely and um, it's just really good quality fruit um, and this is again their entry level they also do some premier crews. And they do some grand crews. Mm. They're all very reasonable. This is a Chablis that should play around $20, which for for white burgundy, for Chablis, that's pretty reasonable. Um, this is a... This is a, this this will cut through food. This is definitely yeah. something that you would uh, you could eat a little fat with. And yeah, this would... well, you know, I like it. I love it with risotto right. because risotto's got you know that parm in it in and, risotto. Yeah, exactly, and it's just got a lot of flesh to it yeah um some of these entry level chablis are all kind of acid this has nice weight it has nice fruit quality to it again 100 percent chardonnay um they know what they're doing and and they have developed this plot of land it's it's funny the way chablis develops chablis is an interesting town very a few restaurants a few hotels sleepy little town that's really in the last five, seven years been been discovered as a weekend trip from Paris. Gotcha. It's probably two and a half hours from Paris. So you get a lot of people come down for the weekend. But it's one of those towns where, you know, at night it closes up. I mean, I was there on a Sunday night once 
and during the market was in the morning and I did some wine and there wasn't a single restaurant in the entire town open on a Sunday night. Um, I, I literally had to go to the convenience store and buy a pizza uh, to basically have some food on a Sunday night. Wow. And that's, and it's because people Friday and Saturday, the place hops pretty well. There are some nice hotels, but I mean, what we just at, at night after dinner, how, how late would you think they would stay open eight or nine or you yeah, think nine, 10, something like yeah. that. But you know, again, kind of like here, it's, one of the things that you have to get used to in Europe and in France in particular is, is restaurants are kind of open when they feel like it. And so <laughs> I'm sometimes this shocked. This is our business yeah, that's and right. you are not really a guest. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, I mean, like there's restaurants that I really like in Paris. I was in Paris on this trip for a while too, that are not open on Saturday and Sunday. Like, how can you not be open on a Saturday and Sunday? I guess, I guess a Sunday, but not a Saturday. Yeah. But that's just the way they choose to do their business. Yeah. You got others it's not that, about the money so no, much exactly. as it is about the. Exactly. It's about the lifestyle right. and a lot of restaurants that close midweek. I tell people, you're going to France, you want to go to a particular restaurant, you better check when they're open. Right. You know, I mean, right. you really, I, every trip I go, at least once during the trip, I'm like, oh, I really want to go to that restaurant. I just missed it. It's it's not open on a Monday. Right. You know, right. And so. You know, you just kind of have to get used to that there and do that. But uh, Chablis is a great little town. I recommend it. It's most people who go to Burgundy stay in Bone, and it's a bit of a trek from Bone, which is kind of in the middle of Burgundy, but well worth it. Um, I've been to this winery personally four or five times, and they're super, they have a great tasting room. They're super nice, and they really know their stuff. So uh, a a wine like this, uh, this this is all white fruit yep all chardonnay 100 chardonnay let the skins hang out a lot longer in this wouldn't yeah, they a little bit not much um because you don't want too much of that there's a lot of acid in the skins and you don't want to most of the time you basically press it off the skins skins are gone this goes into a tank and it basically just develops you know over six eight months before they bottle it it's so. got a it's got a certain thickness to it it's got it's funny i think this is very much a um a function of this vintage too. This is a 21, which was a very difficult vintage in Chablis and in a lot of France, a lot of weather issues. And so they lost a lot of fruit, this vintage. And so production was maybe at 30% of what it normally is. So what was left was pretty concentrated uh, because it was left on the vine. They lost a bunch of fruit early. Well, I'm getting that and then, yeah, concentration. And then it's, it's got a lot of, of um, texture, a lot of body for this kind of wine. And this is... I've drank this probably the last 10 vintages, and this is by far the one with the most meat to it. Yeah, it's got a lot of body to it. I, uh, I'm i enjoying it, uh, but I'm having to get used to the uh, thickness of the acidity. Yeah, it's it's a... It's a, it's a, so Chablis runs the gamut from pretty light to once you get into premier crews and grand crews, they're more like this. They've right. got more of that texture to them. This, for being just an entry level Chablis, it is a single vineyard called St. Clair, but that's unusual for this kind of a wine. Um, and yeah, it needs some food, you know, it really does. I think it, it does. Great with a, yeah. a beautiful cheese platter, charcuterie. When I go to the winery, yeah. a lot of times they'll you know, order up a, charcuterie platter and we'll do multiple vintages of of these brocard wines and it's a perfect match for that just really yeah. good so. a little bread too cheese oh absolutely yeah you know, so. so uh what what's this worth you know it's about 20 bucks sometimes you can get it cheaper almost never above that they're an interesting project because they are not they keep no um 
excess inventory in the United States of wine. It all comes um, direct from the winery, what we call DI, direct imported. So in Atlanta, for instance, the distributor here orders couple hundred cases of a few different things. It comes here, but there's not any other backup in the United States they can draw from. And it's in probably at 25 states now. Um, they're a big producer. They're the largest independent producer, second largest producer overall from Chablis. Um, they've had a couple of rough vintages, though, as a lot of people have in France. Right. And so the volume's been down and was down in 20 and 21. Uh, this is the 21. And 22's better. And 23 will be better, too, in terms of volume, you know. And so, um, but this is findable. It's out there, definitely. Fine wine shops. Um, it's definitely here. We're in Georgia. It's here, no doubt about it. I've sold it for many years, and so. Awesome. Uh, what's the alcohol content on that? Uh, let's look here. Mm -hmm, good question. Let's see. Twelve five. So wow, really? Low, yeah, I yeah. would have expected it to be a little higher. Yeah, again, just because of the you know the mouthfeel and the texture is. Yeah, but again, I think that's <clears throat> very much in this wine. That's fruit quality. Right. That's really not a function of. And again, it was this vintage that produced little wine, but really good wine. You know, this will age nicely for a couple of years. Open up, you know, and so. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's pretty good entry level Chablis. You like Chablis if you drink Sancerre. It's got that same kind of quality, nice acidity, very nice fruit. This is not a delicate wine. This vintage, not it's got all. a lot of weight yeah. to it. Yeah. Got a lot of meat to it. Um, I actually had a bottle of this when I was in France. I was at a little bistro in Avignon. And I saw this on, it was a small little wine list. This was, I was like, oh, I'm going to drink this, you know? And so, and uh, it was the 21 Brocard. I was drinking it in Avignon, basically, wow. a couple of weeks ago. That's so. great. This is great. Thanks, Michael. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Food Tips, The Basics and Beyond. Great hearing from Brady McGraw from Q105.3 Savannah. He popped in to say hi today. Loved having my pal Tom Sullivan as special guest today. Even the lovely patio furniture stopped by. You can check out Tom Sullivan and his adventures at TomOnAir.com. Super wine guy Michael Gallant brought us a Domaine Jean-Marc Brucard. It's a big name in Chablis from France with notes of lemon, white peach, and yellow fruit. The palate is round and greedy. Yum. Dave Parker knocks out the stuff between the interviews because he's the most creative dude there is. You got questions? We've got answers. We've got a Facebook page. Search for Food Tips Podcast. You can send emails from there and comment on the show. Till next time, I'm J.J. Jackson, and this is Food Tips, the basics and beyond.